This is part four on Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. And we get to dig into some of the details of the specifics of how Paul tells slaves to obey. Slaves, obey your lords according to the flesh. In other words, your natural, your masters. With fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as you obey Christ, do not or not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the soul, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. Stop there, since this begins an argument for why you should do that. So, Father, as we look at the four or five specific ways that slaves are to obey, and surely there is a massive implication for us here in all of our relations, show us the miracle of the inner transformation that Paul is calling for. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start with with fear and trembling. Slaves, obey your lords with fear and trembling. Does that mean fear and trembling at the lords, at the masters? Probably not. Remember, over the whole section back in Ephesians 5.21 was this, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. So I'm inclined to think that fear here, just like with wives towards husbands, as we looked at in the previous section, is fear of displeasing Christ. You know that even more clearly if we look at the parallel in Colossians 3. Slaves obey in everything, lords according to the flesh, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. So Paul is explicit in drawing out the Lord focus of the fear in the parallel in Colossians 3. And that phrase, fear and trembling, is used precisely here in Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That's the very same phrase, the fear and trembling, for God is the one who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So this fear and trembling is not because God isn't at work within you, it's because he is at work within you. In other words, it's the very presence of the creator of the universe in all of his holiness, willing our good and working within us that causes an appropriate fear and trembling. As when Isaiah said, this is the one to whom I, God, will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. I look to, I work for people who tremble. So this trembling here is not the kind of terror at a God who won't look at us or only looks at us with anger. Rather, this trembling is the effect of humility and lowliness in the presence of infinite majesty. No matter how obedient we've been, we tremble in the presence of such majesty. So we live 
with a sense of the greatness and glory and purity and power and holiness of Christ in our lives. He's not a little chummy friend. He's a massive, glorious king and a friend. So fear and trembling sets the stage for the inner life of the slave as he goes about serving Christ. Remember, as you obey Christ, as slaves of Christ, as to the Lord. So Christ is the one we're fearing. Christ is the one we're fearing. The Lord is the one we're fearing. In other words, all of our obedience to this natural Lord is done in the face of, in the presence of, before the majesty of Christ with an appropriate fear and trembling. Now, look at these specifics. In the sincerity of your heart, obey. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. Doing the will of God from the soul. Rendering service with a good will. What? One, two, three, four. And notice what they have in common. Heart. Soul. Will. When you obey the Lord, that is the earthly master, have your heart in it. When you obey your earthly Lord, have your whole soul in it. When you obey your earthly master, let it be from a good will, not a compromised half will, half obeying and the other half rebelling. And the negative counterpart to that hearty, whole-souled, goodwill obedience is not by way of eye service as men-pleasers. What does that mean? Eye service is meaning, okay, here comes the master. I need to put a good face on it. I want him to see me as faithful. I'm really not faithful. I hate him. But I want him to see me and be pleased with me. Doesn't matter what's going on inside of my heart or inside of my soul or inside of my will. I want him to see my external conformity so that he doesn't beat me or that he treats me nice or rewards me. It's all external. And Paul says, no, no, no. So the amazing thing is that this is inner life, right? This is inner life. This is inner life. And this is by way of negation, inner life. That's amazing, isn't it? These slaves, he's saying, look, of course the obedience here is external. You do your job. He tells you to take water from the river and put it in the tub. You obey. That's the external obedience. But Paul is all about the heart in this text. He's all about changing the inner life of the slave. Sincerity. That means not half of your heart going one way and half of your heart going the other way, but your whole heart. I want to bless this household. I want to have my whole soul in it. I want to have a good 
will in it. So what's the main point? The main point is be real. Oh, that we all would hear this. Whatever our duty is, whether this involves any kind of service to another person or not, whatever your form of obedience is, whatever the outward activity of Christ calling you to perform, let it be sincerely from your heart. Let it be from your soul. Let it be a good will. Don't ever, ever fall into the trap of hypocrisy. Don't you hear Jesus? Jesus hated hypocrisy. He went after hypocrisy more than he went after anything, didn't he? And that's what Paul is picking up on. Doing things with eye service as men pleasers simply means cleaning up the outside of the cup while the inside is full of dead men's bones, to use the language of Jesus. But Paul is saying, no, cleanse the inside of the cup, cleanse the inside of the cup, cleanse the inside of the cup so that your obedience is sincere. So be real. That means, that means really want to bless the master. And here, the master is in two directions, and this is the secret, isn't it? You might say, well, what if this master is not worthy of that kind of heart and soul and will? And of course, that's the case most of the time. The answer is, as you obey Christ, as slaves of Christ, as to the Lord, in other words, you can be real, and you can be sincere, and you can want really to bless, because behind this Lord, no matter what he is, you see Christ, you see Christ, you see the Lord, and for the Lord's sake, Christ's sake, Christ's sake, your whole heart is in it. Your whole soul is in it. Your whole will is in it, and you are not a hypocrite. That is what we were saved for, right? You go back to chapter 2 and say, how in the world can anybody ever live like that? By grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast, because we are his workmanship. These slaves have been recreated, created in Christ Jesus for good works, good works for the master with all their heart and all their soul. And God prepared these beforehand that we should walk in them. This is our only hope. Grace, faith, sovereign workmanship, new creation. That's our only hope. And so you jump forward to chapter four, put off your old self, slaves, which belongs to your former manner of life, corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed. You need to be a new person in the spirit of your minds your heart, your soul, your will, and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness 
so that this call to obedience here is not a call to external fakery. This is a call to absolute sincerity, freedom from man-pleasing, whole heart, whole soul, whole will engagement. Oh, that all Christians were such a kind of God-centered, humble, fear-and-trembling kind of lovers.